0: Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be with everyone in Milford and downtown, online, and here at the Pond Campus. And I'm Dave. And after about a month of battling a lot of sickness throughout our family, I am thrilled to be able to be back and get to share God's word with you here today. It's so good to see so many of you. We have missed you. And just thankful for all the prayers and just kind words of encouragement that you extended to our family over this last season. And I want to just give a big shout out to our team who just stepped up big time in my absence to help us have beautiful, compelling, wonderful Christmas Eve services and Christmas events. And I just am so Grateful to get to serve as a part of a team where just servant leadership is the hallmark of what uh, our team, our leaders are all about here at Crossway. Big shout out to Pastor Jake, especially for preaching five times on Christmas Eve. And Pastor Matt, uh, the week before, kind of preaching a sermon I had written and was intending to preach, but I had lost my voice from uh, the bronchitis following the COVID that I had, and so grateful for him and and our whole staff team. And uh, just today I want to celebrate one of our team members who's here with his wife, Joan. Tim and Joan Lafferty are celebrating 40 years of marriage this very day. So we want to celebrate, celebrate them. One observation I would kind of had while not able to to be able to be here and, and minister was Sometimes we can take it for granted what a real gift it is to have the privilege and the health and the vitality to be able to serve the Lord. Sometimes I just see it as a given instead of as a gift. But this time of you know, missing a few weeks has just heightened my sense of gratitude, appreciation, and also just seriousness as to what an opportunity God gives us each and every day in the midst of a fragility of life to be able to serve him, to be able to share his word. So I am just excited and grateful to be here. And as we uh, begin, let me just open with a word of prayer here today. Would you pray with me? God, we just worship you and thank you for this great day you have given us. I thank you for the rich opportunity it is to get to share your word today. I pray, God, that we would be present to your presence now. Knowing this day, this moment is a gift, an opportunity that you have given for us to gather together right where we are. So heighten our expectancy, God, to believe that you want to meet with us. You want to speak. You want to move. So give us hearts that are ready to hear and ready to act. And so I pray you would think in our thoughts, speak through my words, and work through this time together. In Christ's name, we pray all these things that everybody said. Amen. Amen. Well, at the end of the year, one of my favorite kind of news stories to follow are the dictionary press releases about how different dictionaries define what is their word of the year. They'll track the last 12 months and see what words have kind of become a part of our regular vernacular, maybe newer words or rediscovered words that seem to describe what a year was all about. Think about your life for a moment. If you had to describe 2022 in a word, what word might you choose? Well, according to the Oxford Dictionary, they allowed the public for the first time to choose what would be the word or phrase that defined 2022. And Oxford Dictionary kind of users and followers, they voted for the term goblin mode to be the phrase or the word of the year for 2022. If you're a little confused, let me try and help describe this phrase. It's a type of behavior which is unapologetically self-indulgent, lazy, greedy, typical in a way that rejects social norms or expectations. Anybody operate in goblin mode in 2022? Anybody married to somebody who was in goblin mode in 2022? Merriam Webster's word of the year was not much better. It was gaslighting, and that's one we probably have heard a little bit more. It's a driver of disorientation and mistrust. Gaslighting is the act or practice of grossly misleading someone, especially for one's own advantage. And 2022 saw a 1,740% increase in searches for what gaslighting was all about, with high interest throughout the whole year. Goblin mode, gaslighting, not exactly the kind of virtuous words we would hope would define a year. But what if for 2023, a more redemptive word came to define our lives? A more renewing word came to define and characterize our church. If you could choose a word To define 2023 for your life, for our church family, what would you choose? Could be something like freedom, or resilience, or peace, or maybe joy. But I'd like to offer today a word for your consideration. At first, it might look a little unassuming, but don't let that fool you. It's not a noun, it's not a a verb, it's not an adjective. It's a word that kind of falls pretty low on the ladder of speech. It's a preposition. And while it might seem unimportant, I believe we're going to discover it has life-changing power once we capture a vision for its potential, once we start to see this word from God's perspective. And here's the word I hope will help define 2023 for you, for me, for our church. The little preposition with, with, to be accompanied by or another person or thing. Like I said, don't let its unassuming nature deceive you. No no one's like, oh, yeah, with. No one's like, we're getting excited here. But I'm convinced this simple little word helps make the most sense out of the complexity and the diversity of the 66 books that we know as the Bible. Not only so, but I believe it invites each and every one of us, no matter our past, no matter our background, no matter our age, no matter our mistakes, no matter our background, no matter if we're in the light or the dark, into the relationship with God that we were made for. And so today is going to kick off the first in a year long series that we are calling the With God Journey through the Bible. Through the year, and most importantly, through us. Last fall, we kicked off our ministry year, which kind of follows the school year. And we said, the vision we believe God has given us for 2022, 2023, following the book of Ezra, is to be rebuilders of the house of the Lord. After so much disruption, so much division, how can we be the church for such a time as this? We need to rebuild the house of the Lord. And as we were discovering from Ezra last fall, if we want to rebuild the house of the Lord, then God's word, the scriptures, need to be the foundation for our lives once again. It needs to drive and direct our lives more than our wants, more than our feelings, more than what society is telling us, more than the social pressures we feel. The foundation of rebuilding the house of the Lord is about anchoring our lives in the scriptures once again. After all, Scriptures are powerful. Psalm 119 tells us, Your word, God, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Jesus tells us in in Luke, Blessed are those who not only hear the word of God, but obey it. What's the key to living a blessed and good life, Jesus says? Not just knowing what the scriptures say, but living them, applying them, obeying them. That's why our mission as a church is practicing the way of Jesus together. Which comes from Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7 24. It says, Everyone who puts these words of mine into practice is like a wise person who builds their house on the rock. If we long for stability amidst the chaos of life, rootedness amidst the upheaval, a sense of direction and the aimlessness and the disorientation we feel, We don't just want to know what the Word says, but we want to put it into practice in our lives. We want to live out the way of Jesus together. But for many of us, if we're honest, it seems like we look elsewhere to determine the direction and what's going to give our lives purpose and meaning, other than the Scriptures oftentimes. The Bible seems antiquated, seems maybe outdated, irrelevant to the times, and so we kind of dismiss it or don't look to it that seriously. Or others of us, we might not think it's antiquated or irrelevant or outdated, but so difficult, so tough to comprehend that we just look elsewhere. But if you've ever been like me and tried looking elsewhere, than for God's will and, and God's direction for our lives from the Scriptures to find that good life, we might find things that satisfy us temporarily. But the bottom line is, ultimately, these things never give us the contentment, the joy, the peace that we're really desperate for for very long. But this year, my hope is to give us a key that could unlock the meaning of the whole Bible in an understandable and applicable way. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to comprehend. You don't have to be necessarily well-educated to be able to wrap your mind around. It's a key that everyone, no matter your background, your age, or what, you can help unlock some of the difficulties of the Scripture so that you can start to not only know what the Bible says, but you can know the author of the Bible better. And if I could give you that key, if you could have it, would you want it? And here's my contention as we kick off this series. I believe the key to unlocking the whole message of the Bible is found in this unassuming yet absolutely powerful preposition, with, with. I'm convinced that the whole Bible, all 66 books, how many are in the Old Testament? 39, everybody said collectively here at the Pond. How many in the New Testament? Do the math, 27. Good job. All 39 Old Testament books, all 27 New Testament books. What holds them all together? What helps us make sense of the varying types of books found within the Bible is that it all has to do with life with God. It's a book that's about helping us enter into an ever-deepening relationship with God himself. So over the course of 2023, we don't just want to get through the Scriptures. The overarching message of the Scriptures that we want to get through us is what we're calling the with God life. The with God life. We believe from Genesis to Revelation, the message of the Scriptures is how God is, loves us so much, so deeply is pursuing us, and he is inviting us. No matter what guilt we might carry, shame we might feel, through what Christ has done, we have the opportunity, the availability for living a with God life here and now. So during our time today, here's my main goal. I'm going to look at the major sections of Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, about eight different passages. We won't look at them all in depth, but eight passages that, tr- that trace what we might see as this golden thread of the with God life from Genesis all, to w- all the way to Revelation and I think we're going to see that this message of what holds the Bible all together has kind of been hidden in plain sight for us to discover here and now. So if you have a Bible, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to the first book, the book of Genesis. Next week we'll be looking at a study of Adam and Eve, the first people who start to live a with. God life. And each week we'll be looking at different figures throughout the scripture. Some kind of do it well, others live more of a without God life, but all of them have something to teach us about how we might live more and more of our conscious everyday moments in constant awareness with the God of the universe who is with us. So to begin today, We're going to look at a figure in the Old Testament and then kind of make our way through the scriptures, a figure who is celebrated for living an impressive with God life, a man named Enoch. And so we're just going to look at the first three verses, and I'm going to invite you to stand, and we'll allow this to kind of shape our conversation together. I'll be reading from the NIV version. This is Genesis 5, 21 to 24. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more. Because God took him away. These are God's very words. Thanks be to the Lord. You may be seated. Now, Enoch was the great, 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 great grandson of Adam. He was Methuselah's daddy. And for all the Bible trivia people out there, Methuselah is the person the Bible records as having lived the longest, a whopping 969 years. But what strikes me most about this person of Enoch is a phrase that is used two times to describe him. And anytime there's repetition used in the Bible, it's the Bible's way of stating something with emphasis. There wasn't like bold font or like all caps uh, to be able to communicate. Uh, and we all have people in our lives that send us emails in all caps. This is a little bit of the way of highlighting that what is being said about Enoch is important. And this phrase that is said two times in just these few short verses is this. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Now later in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, Enoch is is listed uh, in what has been affectionately called the Hall of Fame of Faith. And here's what the author of Hebrews talks about Enoch in this way. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. He was commended as one who pleased God. So the other person in the Bible that was kind of taken away, never tasted death, was Elijah. uh, We hear about his life in in, uh, the books of Kings. But Enoch was someone that, the book of Hebrews describes someone who pleased God. I would love to be described as someone who pleased God. I would love to be someone who was described as they walked faithfully with God. Just as I invited you to summarize a word for this year, if you had one phrase that might describe your whole life, what phrase would you want to describe you? And thinking about Dave Ripper walked faithfully with God. It's a pretty good one. I aspire toward that. So, how did Enoch please God? Well, oftentimes we think we please God if we do all the right things. God gives us a mission, we go off, we do all this, we try really hard, try and be good people, serve well, and then we go back and, God, how did I do? Enoch pleases God. But nothing about his accomplishments is really given to us in the text. The only thing he maybe did was successfully name someone Methuselah. Imagine having that conversation. Hey, you know Enoch's kind of a short name, and uh, what's this guy's going to be named? Ready for this? Methuselah. And uh, Methuselah lived 969 years. That's about all we know that maybe Enoch accomplished. But what seems to be the reason that he pleased God wasn't all the things he did for God, but he walked with God. Walked with him. Now, if we walk with God, of course, God's going to invite us to join him on his mission of making this world more like heaven and less like hell. There'll be many great things we get to do with God, but God is not sending us off on our own, expecting us to do all these great things for him. Rather, he wants us to first be with him. God wants us to be with him more than he expects us to accomplish all kinds of things for him. And so this with God journey, it's an invitation for our lives to be more and more like Enoch's, to start out by learning to live in responsive obedience to God, to say, God, I want to accompany you and I want you to accompany me as I follow your lead to be with you to be as responsive to you as the string on a violin would be to the bow of its master. I want to live a with God life. And I believe that desire to be with God pleases him incredibly and puts us on the path of making a difference in this world now and a difference that rings all the way into eternity. So the with God journey begins here. But Enoch is far from the only person in the Scriptures who lived this kind of life. If we just flip over to the next chapter, Genesis 6, we hear Noah was a righteous man, blameless among all the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. There it is again. The next book of the Bible, Exodus, God gives us this powerful promise to Moses. My presence will go, what? With you, and I will give you rest. As God is calling Moses to lead the people from the wilderness in Sinai out to the promised land, God assures him, I will be with you every step of the way. Be with me. Follow me. Listen. Obey. Let's do this together. Then a couple of books after Exodus, we get to Moses' successor, Joshua. And we hear these powerful words from Joshua 1.5. As I was, what? With Moses, so I will be, what? With you, I will never leave you or forsake you. Now, Joshua has got some big shoes to fill. Stepping into Moses' shoes, he's got a daunting task before him to take the promised land. Of all the things that God could have told Joshua to give him assurance, like you'll be successful, or uh, you will win, or you will get all the things that you want, the way God assures Joshua is simply by telling him, reminding him, I will be with you. I will be with you. Similar to Joshua in the next book, during the period of the judges, God says to Gideon, he calls him to another intimidating task to go up against an army that is attacking them, vastly larger than his own. And God says to Gideon in Judges 6.16, I will be what? With you. After the period of the judges, we get to the period of the kings. And perhaps the greatest and the most famous of all of Israel's kings was David. And perhaps the most beloved and well-known passage that David crafts from the Old Testament is Psalm 23. Listen for the with God life and the familiar words of Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. You are with me. What does, gives David comfort amidst his distress? What gives him confidence amidst his feelings of insecurity? It's the truth that I believe is central, not only to all of the scriptures, but the truth that is what life is all about, that God is with us. After David, there were a succession of other kings. And a later king named Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 17, 3-4, was described this way. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the ways of David, his father, before him. He did not consult the, the Baals or the false gods or idols, but sought the God of his father and followed his commands rather than the practices of Israel. Jehoshaphat stands as kind of a shining light in the midst of a very dark period of Israel's history. Rather than conforming to the patterns of the world around him, other leaders around him, the pressures of what people were putting on him to live a certain way, to live kind of a without God life and a without God leadership, Jehoshaphat recaptured this kind of lost and forgotten way of his ancestor David when David was at his best. He lived with God. And similar for us, this with God journey is not something new. It's something old that has been lost and largely been, been something that we need to rediscover. Jesus kind of frames it as the narrow way. Wide is the path that everyone else is going to follow, but ultimately it leads to your destruction. It's not for your good, but narrow is this path that leads to life. And I believe it's the path that God is putting before you and me today to follow, to live as many of our conscious waking moments as we possibly can in constant interactive and communication with him. God, what would you have me do this moment? What would you have me say? What's the next right thing that you would have me do? That's about what living the with God life is all about. Now, if we fast forward to the prophets, maybe one of the most powerful statements in all of the Bible is a promise given for a coming Messiah, Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. This text is quoted in Matthew one twenty three, and it gives us a definition of what that name Emmanuel means. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. This name, Emmanuel, is what led some scholars of the scriptures to say the integrative theme of the Bible is what we could call the Emmanuel principle. From Genesis to Revelation, we see stage after stage, era after era of how God is with his people, culminating in God himself coming to be with us in the person of Jesus and ending with God finishing us getting to be with him forever, as we will discover. And this is the principle Jesus himself not only modeled, not only embodied as that Messiah, but he taught as well. After he died, rose from the grave, and before he ascended to heaven, he gave his followers what's been called the Great Commission. He says this, all, uh, he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, of all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Teaching them to obey, practice everything that I have commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus promises his followers to be with them sometimes until the very end of the age. No, Jesus promises to be with us always. Jesus, even if we can't see him, he is in fact with us. The question for us then today is will we be with him? Will we live this with God life? Because this with God life is not only what we were made for, it's what the culmination of life and human history is going to be all about when Jesus returns. And Revelation 21, the second to the last chapter in the Bible, puts it this way and i heard a loud voice john the apostle was saying from the throne saying look god's dwelling his place is now among the people and he will dwell what with them they will be his people and god himself will what be with them and be their god and here's some good news <laughs> He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or COVID or all the other stuff I had for the old order of things will have passed away. What can we expect heaven to be like when Jesus returns? We will get to be with God. A community of Christ-like, loving persons from every background, every nation, every language, gathering together to be with God. And he will be the prime sustainer and the most glorious inhabitant of this new community that he is forming. A with God people. So over the course of this year, we hope to do something a lot deeper than I just did today Genesis to Revelation, to discover how God is inviting us on nearly every single page of the Bible to live a with God life. And I hope today you will make the choice to join us on this with God journey. How might you do that? Let me offer just a few quick ways. First, I want to encourage you to listen to every single message in this whole series from now until the end of the year. We're hopefully will be giving you a framework, a way of having that key to unlock a hidden, in plain sight, message of what the Bible is all about. And I believe as you kind of understand this framework for reading the Scripture, you'll be able to meet God through the pages of the text in a more profound way in your daily life. Secondly, I want to encourage you to follow some kind of reading plan. That could be through the whole Bible this year. Maybe it's just you've never read it before. Maybe start in the New Testament and just keep going. We'll each week kind of be putting out a selection of passages that relate to what text we'll be preaching from and you can follow along with that and it will give you a lot of the broad brushstrokes of what the scriptures are all about. But I want to encourage you, daily form the habit of being in God's word to reflect on what he is sharing to us. Third challenge, go on this with God journey with others. A with God life is not something you can do by yourself. A with God life It's a life that's not only with others, but it's for others as well. Over the next two weeks, we're going to be kind of having a new launch for small groups and ways you can get connected with other people. And so I'm going to encourage you, maybe jump in a group. Maybe find another person or two to kind of be reading and studying the scriptures with. Each week, we write questions that kind of go along with the message for reflection and dialogue and conversation for you to be able to go deeper. So find, maybe it's a family you want to do this. Maybe it's with a friend. Maybe with a small group. Go on this with God life journey with others. Fourth, dig deeper. In addition to our Sunday servants, we're going to be releasing some podcasts that get into things we haven't talked about on Sunday. It will actually go into a lot of the harder questions that we often uh, think of when we're reading the scriptures. I don't know about you, but I found there to be some hard parts of the Bible to understand, even having done a lot of education in it. And so we'll be kind of tracking along with a book too that is called uh, Hard Sayings of the Bible. And it just raises some of the tough questions of what the Bible is all about. And we'll be getting into those in our podcast as well. And then lastly, as a recommended resource, I would encourage you to purchase what's called the Life with God Bible. There should be a picture of it here as well. And this is what's going to be the framework that we're following as we preach through the scriptures this year. It traces this manual principle, essentially showing how all of the Bible is about life with God. It kind of is a guide to help us not just read the Bible informationally, but transformationally. Not just we get more insights into what the Bible says, but to encounter God's presence through the pages more and more and more. But the goal isn't just for us to get through the Bible, but to get the heart of the Bible's message through our lives. And that message is about the with God life, about trying to live moment by moment with as much constant interaction with God as we can possibly have, that we want to live with him. And here's the thing, that might look a little intimidating to us, but I believe all of us are capable of living a with God something or someone life we all live a with someone or something life don't we we're actually pretty good at it and you know i'd say rather than maybe the with god life what's the kind of with life that all of us i think are pretty good at pretty good at the with phone life aren't we i mean we keep this as our constant companion Literally right now, it's showing a weekly report of my screen time. To be very uh, candid with you, my screen time was down 24% last week, but still for an average of three hours and 37 minutes a day, this was open. Now sometimes my kids do open it up and maybe that makes me sound a little bit better, but I'm really living a with phone life. That's a lot of time. I know what it's telling me. I know how much power it has. I almost know where it is at any given moment. And if I can be that consciously aware of my phone, I have the capacity of being more consciously aware of and interactive with God. It's just a matter of if I want to or not. Now, it's certainly easier to live a with-phone life because it's tangible, it's right there. But if we remember the central core truth of the Bible, this Emmanuel principle, Jesus promised that I am with you always. Then we just need to learn to turn our attention, to see the unseen, to believe that even if we can't see God, even when we're reading, the author of the Bible is in the room with us. And so we might just want to turn that awareness from the with phone life to a with God life into thinking, God, what would you have me say? What would you have me do this very moment? How would you, I, how would you live my life if you were me? That's the invitation about what the with God life is all about. And we're going to discover how to do that more and more all throughout this year. But it's been said that most preachers essentially have one sermon. Anybody agree with that? Does that seem right? One sermon? Maybe some people get about three. It's not saying you preach the same sermon every single week. But if you kind of zoom back, zoom out, most preachers, really do have about one central thing that they say. And as I've been preaching since I was 15 years old, 23 plus years now, if I had to boil down in my own reflections about what's my one sermon, it's this. It's the with God life. It's the with God life. You know, as a teenager, I really struggled with meaning and purpose. I had kind of grown up in church, uh, more of a mainline denomination, where we were told about God. Here's a nice statement to say that we believe this. Try and be a good person. Come back next week. But it wasn't until I was about 15 that I would heard someone talk about the availability of a personal relationship with God. It was at this youth group uh, up the hill from my house, and I used to walk up to that hill and walk up to that that gathering of teenagers. And I started to capture an imagination that God wants to walk with me. God wants to live with me. And something came alive in my life. A fire kind of got ignited that's never been extinguished. And I can remember walking back to my house, a different person, having been with God. In fact, I'll never forget a neighbor And they would see me walk back down that hill, past these houses, this person who wasn't even a believer said to me, something has changed in you. You are striding with the sense of joy and confidence that I want to have myself. And that for me, I said, was discovering that God wants to live life with me. The creator of the universe cares about someone as lowly as me. And the creator of the universe desires that for you as well. So, my hope and prayer this year for all of us is that we would choose to live a with God life and not a without God life. And can you only imagine if we did this together, what would it be like for us to be a with God church? Could you imagine what God could do in and through us? The contentment, the joy, the power, the confidence. The life with God we would experience and the mission that we would be on together. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for us, that we would live the with God life and be a with God church for his greater glory, for the good of the world around us, and for our joy. Amen? Let's pray together. God, thank you so much that you long to be with us so much that you, Jesus, came lived among us, that God, the Father, you gave your only son to that ever would trust in him, count in him, would not perish, but have everlasting life. And that eternal life doesn't just begin after we die. That eternal life is what we can experience here and now as we know you, Jesus, personally, interactively, really. But so at the start of this year, I know we have a lot of resolutions. We have a lot of desires, maybe a lot of dreams to do things differently. I pray that you would help us form the habit of living a with God life. We don't deserve that, but by your grace, it's become available. And so today, I just want to invite you to maybe answer this question prayerfully to God. Will you choose to grow in living a with God life? Do you want to live life more and more? Consciously aware that God is with you. If so, make your prayer right now, this moment between you and God, just to say, Lord, today I want to choose to live with you, to be with you, to deepen my relationship with you. Whether that's just beginning, maybe that's a brand new thing, or maybe that's been for decades. My prayer, God, for us today, because you so deeply want to be with us, you love us so much. Help us form the habits to nurture the desire and to be the kind of people who would live moment by moment, day by day, season by season, with you more and more and more. That's my prayer for this church that I love family, my friends, and for myself. And it's in Jesus' name that we all pray together and everyone said,